Welcome to the Brand Community Podcast. Brand communities are the foundation of business growth. They build a human connection between brands and their customers, turn those customers into lifelong advocates, and ultimately grow your business. I'm Sam Heisel, a co-founder and managing partner at Knox, a digital agency that helps brands, artists, and entrepreneurs grow and convert communities online. And I'm Chris Whitman, co-founder of Crony, a creative agency that connects brands and consumers through powerful brand experiences. Every Tuesday, we'll be interviewing marketing leaders and community builders so you can walk away with actionable strategies to help your brand grow and prosper. Welcome to the show. Chris, how we doing, man? How you feeling? Doing great, Sam. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Uh, well, another episode, another Meet Your Host episode. Uh, like we had mentioned in the last one, I think really excited about the Meet Your Host because before we get into some awesome interviews with some really, really talented guests, we want to uh, interview some not-so-talented guests. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we want to interview each other <laughs> so you guys can have a very good understanding exactly. of, of who you're actually uh, – who we are, some of our experiences. So uh, it's always fun to kind of turn the tables. All right, then. So without further ado, welcome, Sam. Uh, so we'll be, I'll be interviewing Sam today. Uh, and uh, just give you a little background on Sam. Sam is the co-founder and CEO of Knox Media, uh, which helps artists and brands uh, and entrepreneurs grow and convert communities online. Uh, prior to Knox, uh, starting Knox, he was former brand strategist at Vayner Talent, uh, where he worked with Gary Vee to help supercharge community and business growth for industry titans like Tom Bilyeu and Ray Dalio and musicians like Black Coffee. Um, and anybody who's listening to the podcast is probably very familiar with uh, Gary Vee. So uh, we'll definitely be some interesting insights diving into that. Uh, he's also a former community champion uh, at Moves of the Needle. Uh, moves the needle, a company that helped Fortune 500 companies create and culture a culture of innovative innovation through developing customer empathy and running experiments to validate different businesses business ideas. Sorry for botching that completely. Uh, oh, good, man. <laughs> and uh, you know, like like we said in my segment, uh, you know, Sam was an event producer for Nightlife and startup community events, which you know, brought him full circle to Knox uh, in, in helping especially musicians and artists. So uh, his areas of expertise include personal branding, social media marketing, creating fandom, which is super important, uh, and experiments uh, in empathy-driven marketing and content production. So uh, without further ado, I will uh, just dive into the questions here. So, um, you know, between Knox uh, and everything you got going on over there, what are you currently working on, uh, you know, especially in the climate of uh, you know, pandemic. Yeah, for sure. So, so thanks, Chris. What, what a great introduction, man. I feel so honored. Um, yeah. <laughs> with that, it's almost like I wrote it myself. <laughs> no, I'm um, with that said, I think with that said, what am I currently working on? So about two years ago, I stopped working with Gary V and VaynerMedia to co-found a company called Knox, Knox Media. I think it was Super grateful for the time I got to spend working with Gary, his team. Um, obviously, I think they are very much at the the, front, the forefront of a lot of these like community development strategies online. So I think it was an incredible experience, but have always been super passionate about music. And um, it was great getting to work and help build and, and really quickly grow communities around some very, very powerful entrepreneurs. Um, but I was super passionate when it came to the side of 
music and music industry. So I, I think there's generally this, this framework and I think Gary has done a fantastic job in building up his personal brand through strategically creating and distributing content. We want to apply this to different industries with the specialization of music. Um, we are doing work with different brands and different uh, entrepreneurs here and there. And it, just because I, I do think there's a lot of uh, like the approach and the, 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 the principles and fundamentals of building communities do work well across these different verticals. So been able to really continue and stay dialed in in that general mission of growing and converting communities online. Um, Outside of that, this is uh, also run another podcast, the Music Business Podcast. So I think that's been really cool because there we've been able to, over the course of two years, build up a, a community of people in the, the music business, right? Industry professionals, artists, managers, labels. And uh, I think once again, it's just kind of taking a dose of my own medicine, um, working with all these clients and, and helping them create and distribute content and grow communities. So in that same vein, one to kind of take a similar approach and, and really build a community where we can help other industry professionals grow and thrive. So to the second part of your question, when it boils down to kind of how have we adapted and then what's really changed in this COVID atmosphere, I think, um, it's been interesting because I think from a marketing perspective, you're always evaluated in the quote unquote marketing mix, right? You have a, a range of different channels and ways in which you're trying to engage and reach with your, uh, reach your customers and grow community and convert that community into customers. Um, I, I think digital content and social, if anything, has um, gotten more important simply because there's a, a handful of other different tactics and channels that have been taken off the table. So from our perspective, we've really still been very dialed in. I think there has been a little bit of a, a rise of different live streams. I think it has been nice because I, I do think that um, I think consumers are now conditioned to be more accepting of lower production value content. Even if you watch The Late Show or, or Jimmy Fallon, right? It's like these are historically, these are shows, Trevor Noah, right? These are historically shows that had every single episode was probably going to run you hundreds of thousands of dollars in production costs and staffing costs. Whereas today, Trevor Noah from The Tonight Show is literally um, uh, running that show or The Daily Show is literally running that show on YouTube at home with a, with a home recording setup. So I, I think that's created a really unique op opportunity for brands to be able to to lean into creating content and growing community and deploying various content tactics, but from a more cost-effective standpoint. So that's been a train, uh, a change that I've really liked. And, uh, and then, yeah, I think people are also just spending more time on their devices and on social. So I think when it comes to that marketing mix, not only are these, the other channels are off the tables from a brand perspective, but also from a consumer mm -hmm. perspective. So it just makes it that much more important to, to double down where consumers are really spending their time and where that attention is. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting comment because, you know, of course, like people are spending a ton of time on their phones. Um, and, you know, even even which platform they choose to engage with uh, has certain functionalities that serve them content in different ways. I think one of the one of the things that I'd love to learn more about is, um, you know, in the, you know, when you're trying to build those communities, uh, it it seems like there's a lot of competition out there. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of, quote unquote, media companies that are trying to compete for those eyeballs in that time. And, you know, even when you think about, uh, you know, driving engagement and conversation, uh, you know, where do you, where do you comment? Where do you like so on and so forth? So what are some of the ways that um, you kind of cut through the noise um, competitively? Because like, even if you're thinking about music, for example, right, there are tons of artists out there 
And I think it's awesome that you've built a business around, um, you know, specifically around that vertical, um, holistically, uh, you know, especially with the music business podcast, but how do you kind of, how do you take a black coffee and, you know, make him, uh, you know, more noticeable than, you know, one of his competitors? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think there's a couple different elements at play here. I think, um, for starters, I think it is really critical to get dialed in on what the brand strategy is and whether this is a musician or another brand, I'll even try and frame this in the context where it's applicable across different verticals. But I think um, brands have unique value propositions. They, they serve their customers in unique ways. That applies to musicians, right? People are drawn to certain musicians because those musicians have unique attributes, both when it comes to the actual, the music as well as the actual personality, right? And that's where it gets interesting around artists is that there's, uh, whereas you might not be as focused on a lot of the, the rational elements of a value proposition, it's these more emotional personality traits that become the unique value proposition of an artist. But regardless, what are those brand pillars? What are the three or four things that make your brand distinct and unique that you want to make sure are consistently communicated throughout the content and throughout the, when people are talking about you, how are they segment, how are they understanding, how are they describing you to friends? So I think for starters, you need to um, have conversations, not only with kind of brand stakeholders, but also with customers, right? I think customer empathy is a foundational element here. I think you'd be surprised that maybe the reason that you feel your customers want your product might not actually be the reason they do. Or um, if you're working on a new product, uh, maybe the way you're going about positioning your brand is actually not as aligned with the, you might be able to adjust how you're framing it or tie it into even bigger challenges or opportunities that are more top of mind for your customer rather than what you currently assume they, they, they are. So I'd say start by identifying that brand, the brand pillars, what makes the brand unique. Um, from there, I mean, I think there's an element of, of having very, having a lot of fun coming up with interesting like content streams. So I think, um, content streams are essentially what are like different buckets of content that you're creating with your brand. Um, I think there are certain best practices across industries, but per your point, Chris, of really trying to stand out, I, I think it, uh, you do want to have some level of creativity. And, and with that in mind, um, like on our end, yes, we we're trying to come up with unique ideas, but we're also paying very close attention to top performing content across different verticals. We actually use a, a software program called CrowdTangle. Where we're able to analyze top performing content across different public pages. So we can look at 10 different CPG brands. We can look at 10 different pop artists, 10 different hip hop artists, 10 different health uh, gym brands or home workout brands. Um, and we can see and rank the top performing content across all of those brands. So from our perspective too, when it comes to creating content, every single week we're taking, a, we're taking time to look through the top content, glean different insights, and then use those insights to inform what sort of content we're creating. Um, from there, I'd say that the last two things um, to, to kind of break through the noise and get through the, the competition and um, just to get it out of the way too is the consistency side. I think it's, you're not gonna, you can't expect success overnight here, but you need to consistently be creating content over time. I think in that same vein, um, uh, there's different tactics when it comes to on-platform optimizations that you can make just to ensure you're going to get more organic visibility on, on YouTube. There's ways you can go about titling and tagging videos and making sure you have optimized thumbnails. Um, things like that will help increase the, the likelihood that you're going to get organic visibility on 
TikTok, if you're tackling TikTok, um, to the extent that you can quickly respond to different trends that are happening on the platform, that will once again mm -hmm. increase your likelihood of getting some, some uh, potential virality and at the very least more organic distribution on the platform. Um, but the last other two kind of like distribution fundamentals, we really like to focus on our uh, partnership development and paid media. So the partnership development side is there's existing communities and existing influencers, brands, people that already have access and already have communities um, that are very similar to who your target audience and demographic may be. So find ways to create these win-win partnerships where they'll want to be able to cross promote, whether that's a some sort of organic placement. I mean, even Chris on, on our end, some of the stuff we've been doing with Healthline, right? We've been finding various health influencers, doctors, nutritionists, chefs, different influencers in these tangential fields that are ultimately helping drive more exposure back to that brand. Um, right. So I think from an artist perspective too, it's, um, it's, there's studio sessions, there's Instagram live conversations, like with black coffee specifically, he did a series of live streams, but at the end of every live stream or for a couple of the, the live streams after his live stream DJ performances, he would actually we'd bring on a guest and he'd have a conversation. We had some unique, really cool guests. We had Swizz beats, legendary hip hop producer. Nice. Um, yeah. So stuff like that, creating those, those partnerships is huge. And then last but not least is paid media. I mean, Paid media is, is some, to an extent, is a way of guaranteeing that you're going to be able to have distribution and get your content in front of your target audience. So whether that's running native ads via a platform like Facebook and Instagram and like story ads, feed ads, or it's experimenting with other kind of um, less, less, I mean, it's funny that like Facebook uh, and Instagram ads are now like, in my world, traditional means of advertising, but um, there's kind of more experimental fields where it's, it is this level of influencer marketing or pay, finding Instagram meme pages or curation pages and paying them to shout out your content or um, running a Triller or TikTok influencer campaign, right? There's other mechanisms of deploying paid media spend to ensure that you're going to get exposure in front of your target audience. So those are the couple of things that come to mind in my end. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great food for thought and uh, very comprehensive. So thank you for that, Sam. Um, we talk about this a lot, right? Brands becoming media companies and, you know, the need to kind of stay always on. Um, a lot of the brands, though, that we talk to, you know, they might have one community manager or one brand strategist. And I think, you know, in some of the conversations that we've had, especially with some of these esports teams, um, there's been kind of, you know, some uh, lack of resources. Uh, to summarize it, but essentially lack of resources and the ability to become a media company for the most part. So if I'm if I'm in that position and um, you know and I don't have that much help, how do I go about assessing the right? Um, you know, maybe I need to just lock in on on one uh, you know one social stream. You know, like do I just focus on a YouTube or do I focus on a TikTok or whatever that is? What are some good methodologies for kind of assessing that? Uh, you know, approach and, and then, and then being able to digestively produce content, um, you mm -hmm. know, maybe on my own or like, you know, what are some, what are some tactics I can deploy there? Yeah, for sure. So first just to deconstruct the, like the companies becoming media companies uh, philosophy, I think Chris and I have spoken a lot about this, but in essence, it's like, obviously you guys are all familiar with the, the need and importance of like content, like, content, 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 like it's nonstop these days, but ultimately content 
is how you will build a community online. It is how you will grow your, your brand awareness and retain those people. So that way you get to a point where you don't necessarily have to pay to reach your customer base every time. Obviously the, the end goal isn't necessarily solely to build a community across socials, but in doing so, it gives you an opportunity to drive customers further down funnel, to drive them to different email platforms. I think consumers are spending a lot of time on these social channels. So that's one of the best ways to go about reaching your customers. And in order to do so, you do largely need to treat yourself like a media company, distributing content that they're likely to engage with and share that might not always be directly or overtly promoting your product. I think that's a big mistake a lot of brands make. It's not just about pumping more creative that's showcasing the cool product photography, but it's it's finding unique ways to, to grow and engage and provide value and uh, value to your customers that ladders back to those different brand pillars. Um, so when it comes to like prioritizing platforms, that part of your question, I think it, it does boil down to your brand and where your customers are and where your audience is. I think in a B2B landscape, like, you probably aren't going to want to skew heavy towards LinkedIn. You'll, uh, excuse me. You'll probably want to skew a little bit heavier towards LinkedIn and a little bit further away from, from Instagram. Um, I think if you are uh, an older demographic, um, then maybe TikTok is a little before its time. Obviously, TikTok's in an interesting place right now, given a lot of the political uncertainty. But regardless, I mean, even if TikTok doesn't have an old audience right now, there, there is an opportunity to be an early mover on TikTok. I think you see a lot of brands that are early movers on platforms and then are able to grow with the platform. So I'd say even if you feel that the current young age on TikTok is young, there still actually is an opportunity for your brand to be an early mover there. Um, but I, I think... Think about where your audience is. Once again, going back to the B2B landscape, like I would encourage you to do some like written content production too. But I think that the more, the, the, the better framework to, to really consider here is figure out what is your pillar content. Um, I think this is something Gary V does incredibly well. So pillar content is what is one kind of overarching, slightly longer form piece of content or content stream or content series. Um, and then how can you repurpose that across different platforms in a way where it's optimized for different platforms? So mm -hmm. in the context of Gary, I think Gary's got two pieces of, of primary pillar content. He's got the daily V um, which is his kind of vlog. And I know things have changed a little bit with COVID, but he'd been doing daily vlogs for a while. Um, and then he had the ask Gary V show where he would essentially have a guest come on and he'd have a conversation. So, when it comes to the Daily V, he would release this 10-minute interview or this 10-minute vlog on YouTube, but then he'd be pulling clips for Instagram and Facebook um, and TikTok. He'd be cutting and pulling quotes for, for Twitter and LinkedIn because we've seen that on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn especially, if you do a text-only post, you can often get more organic distribution on the platform. So it's just rather than showing a, a video clip of him doing this cool soundbite or this cool quote, it, it's typing it out. Um, but right there, now it's, he's creating one content stream, whether it's this vlog or it's these interviews with other people. And then he puts the long form episode up on YouTube or podcast, and then is creating all of this supporting supplemental content that's stemming out from those pillar content series. So I think that framework is really helpful. And that when you think about it like that, Chris, it's, you don't, you don't have to think about it from this like either or perspective. You more so think about how can we create this one piece of content and then maximize the distribution by cutting it up and repurposing it in a, in a way that will play to the nuance of these different social platforms. Right. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And I think that that's an, an awesome way to, um, you know, create uh, just a, a massive amount of content. And I think, you know, that is obviously a, 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 you know, if you look at it, if you look at pushing out content, that's, that's a brand pushing messaging. How can a brand kind of go about uh, creating that conversation, right? That, that integral part of community, which is like the, the kind of two-way conversation. What are some tactics that a brand could use? Um, you know, because Gary Vee is such a personality, right? He, talk, he always talks about things that are very personal um, and, uh, you know, and, and to a certain extent actionable. But uh, what can a brand do to, uh, you know, create pillar content, create a ton of content below that, um, you know, snackable content, and then how can they make sure that they're effectively picking the right content that is driving that conversation and, and, and then effectively like building that community? Yeah, for sure. So I think when it comes to leaning into finding ways to create the, the conversation, um, and th there's two points here, because one is like, you want to test different types of content and double down where you're seeing lots of the best engagement. I think when it comes to thinking about what you're testing within regards to trying to build a tighter knit community and more conversation with your community, um, I think there's a couple ways to go about it. I think in one regard, um, the more often you can showcase different members of your community and influential members of your community, um, I think that sets you up to uh, uh, succeed in a very good way because it shows that the, the brand isn't just operating from this uh, megaphone perspective, but they're paying attention, they're listening, they're engaging with the content and with their consumers. If their consumers are creating content, showcasing their brand, um, they're reposting it. Or if, if the consumers aren't doing that, but they're maybe they're reaching out to some of the, the influential followers on their Instagram account and offering free product in exchange for content that they can then repost. Um, I think you see certain brands too that are, are doing interesting activations where they're um, I think showcasing, uh, I think we spoke about this one recently too, but you look at a brand like Fender, the guitar brand, where they're showcasing mm -hmm. like right. uh, FKJ, a personal favorite musician of mine, short for French Kiwi Juice. Fender launched this series called Fender Sessions, where they've been having various artists do uh, small performances in tandem with a conversation and interview with somebody from the Fender team. FKJ is already a very influential customer of Fender, right? He's a, a big user, has too many Fender guitars already. And uh, I mean, th this way they gave him an opportunity to, to showcase um, how he uses them. And in doing so, that became one of the top organic pieces of content on Fender's YouTube channel. So uh, I think that also enables you now and, and Fender specifically to tap into the, the fan base of FKJ's community. And that just goes back to the other point in regards to like partnership mm -hmm. development. So I think um, that's big. I'd say the other thing too, is really try and come up and be creative around ways in which you can connect other customers with each other. Um, like sometimes you can do this through, like you're seeing a big rise in like discord servers, which are, I mean, it's like Slack mm -hmm. to an extent, but these are different brands or communities. You're seeing this a lot in, podcasts you saw it a lot in the, the gaming worlds around different like twitch influencers which i do think if you look at gaming and uh, how like a lot of innovation when it comes to community growth are happening in these worlds of music of gaming right so a lot of these gamers that would have influential profiles um would then have discords where their community members could engage and interact with each other. Maybe it's not a right. discord server, but maybe it's a Facebook group, right? But more importantly, I think it's finding a way in which you can actually connect customers with each other. And then the, the last simple way to do that too is like, um, I think 
D-Rock, Gary V's videographer, does this every couple of months. He'll do a post where it's like uh, on Instagram, like this, the caption will be like, this post is for you guys. I want you guys to network with each other. And you're in the comments, introduce who you are and what you need help with. And then that post will get thousands of comments and people will start helping each other. I think brands can do mm-hmm. the same, like asking customers questions, asking them to share their experience, asking them to help each other. I think those are really, really valuable ways to go about doing that. Yeah, that actually brings up a pretty good point um, when you talk about, uh, you know, community forums and conversations. But how do you, like, any brand is going to worry about this and be concerned, but how do you ensure that uh, that that forum is safe, right? Yeah. Uh, what, are some, what are some actionable ways that people can, can help with that? When you say safe, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, like, you know, trolling, um, you know, things like that. If you like, for example, the D rock example is awesome. I follow D rock on LinkedIn. He's always been a great guy. Um, and you know, if you create an opportunity for people to chat with one another, you're putting a lot of faith in, you know, everyone being good. Right. So like any brand manager is going to be like, how do I make sure that, you know, this is like a nice space as opposed to, um, a potentially dangerous one. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, uh, a lot of what you put out is what you will get back. I think if you are very intentional on curating a very positive brand and community and voice, then I think you'll tend to get that back. I think inevitably there will be trolls, there will be haters. And I think rather than being deterred by those people, using those as like, if you guys got haters, that means you're doing something right. Like at least you got enough, somebody that's passionate enough to, to like hate on you. And it's not just like this, you're not just speaking to an empty vacuum. Um, so I'd say community management, leaning in, kind of giving that out, encouraging, showcasing, proactively engaging with a lot of the positive comments, a lot of the positive commentary, um, I think just kind of enforces that behavior. It's very similar to like leadership. It's not like um, you kind of want to create an atmosphere in where a certain outcome will emerge, but you can't just like force somebody to do it. So I think it's that same way. You want to kind of create that atmosphere. You want to reward the positive behavior. And if you do that, then I think that kind of creates this snowball effect. Gotcha. Um, how, are, how has your approach to building communities changed as a result of COVID? Um, because you're, you're kind of living online already. So what is, what is that done to kind of shift, uh, you know, your strategies or, or maybe not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, beyond some of the points I alluded to a little bit earlier, I mean, I think it's just doubling down on content, doubling down on digital. I think it's uh, it's how you can engage with your customers right now in the absence of some of these other more uh, traditional mechanisms and channels. So I think I think that's big. I think having brands really get creative around the content they're creating, being more consistent there leaning into these innovative event formats, whether it's live streams, whether it's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've definitely done no shortage of live streams. I think live streams are cool, but I think it's really important that if you're going to do these live streams, you're not just creating these big flash in the pan moments, but you're using these to create um, valuable evergreen content that can continue to get a lot of exposure and, and, and get distribution beyond the actual live stream date. Um, I think live stream has been interesting because I think early on, there was a, a massive increase in live streams. And I was actually speaking with um, a friend who runs a company called Bands in Town, and they do a lot of industry analysis around, um, I mean, they used to be focused on helping people track uh, artists' shows. And they also have a big kind of like media network where they are able to run big ad campaigns for 
um, different brands across their big uh, advertising and media network. But from a consumer side, they help bands of artists track fans' shows. Given that shows are out the door, they pivoted very quickly towards live streams. And as a result, they're not able to really like track tens of thousands of live streams that are happening on a monthly basis. Um, and if they even looked them uh, over the course of the month of July, um, they actually saw it was a pretty like flat uh, curve as far as like the, there was not really a decline in live streams as much. I, I think like live streams are, are still here. Um, so being able to be creative around how you can lean into that format is good. But I'd also say just make sure you're doing so well because there is some level, I'd say, of live stream fatigue. I think it's um, early on in COVID, there was some reward to the first movers. But now it's mm-hmm. like any advertising or marketing tactic, it's gotten to a point where it's become very competitive and very saturated. So if you are going to really do that, I definitely encourage you to make sure you're trying to be creative as to how you stand out. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, what do you think are some of the most important things to focus on when trying to build impactful communities um, to ultimately drive those business results? Yeah, for sure. So I think the, the start is, like we had mentioned, get really dialed in on what those brand pillars are. What makes your brand unique? Who are your target audience segments? Um, Speak with your customers, speak with your brand stakeholders to help validate some of those different assumptions. Um, From there, be very consistent in the content you're creating. Um, You want to be consistent across platforms. You want to make sure you're, um, I mean, this is very much like the going to the gym. Like you're not going to have any results unless you're consistently doing it over a long period of time. I think in that same vein, make sure you have good analytics in place to the extent where you can really double down and pay attention and see what's working and use that to continually refine and inform and iterate upon your strategy. Um, Same goes for testing different tactics, testing different platforms. You want to make sure you're constantly trying different things, trying new things and seeing if they work. And if they don't, you scrap them and on to the next one. I think another key thing is make sure you really are focused on providing value to your customers. I think whenever we're thinking about content, we look at it in two different buckets. On one end, you have a bucket that's focused on helping grow and engage your community. And on the other side, you have one that's focused on converting your community. The grow and engage content is the content that isn't directly promoting your product or your offering, but is instead trying to ladder back to those brand pillars as far as what makes you unique. Um, lean into different ways of nurturing those relationships with different partners and different community members um, and really just have fun, stoke the conversation. The convert now is where you do want to actually be a little more overt with the, the, the promotion or with how you plan on really converting the audience. Um, so this is teasing new products, launching new products. This is ad creative where you do have a very hard and strong call to action. I'd mm-hmm. say both are necessary. I'd say the mistake we see the most is that People put way too many eggs in the basket of conversion and therefore right. never are able to really grow and engage their community because all they're doing is promoting to their community. Um, the other things, uh, collaboration and really work on trying to find that mechanism for communities to really help each other. I, I think if you're able to really like pay attention to those buckets, um, you'll be in a really good place. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic insights. Um, we could probably, so we'll close this out with the question that we always ask, which is if you were to build a brand today and we'll call it a D2C brand, um, what would that product be or category that you'd be focused on and how would you build that community around that? Yeah, for sure. I think I'd build like a, a home workout system for starters. I think uh, we've definitely seen a big trend in the market when it comes to uh, like 
I mean, gyms are just straight up closed in a lot of different states and countries around the world. So right. uh, people still trying to, to get those summer bods like that. That didn't go anywhere. Um, so it's like I, impossible I, I, to order anything online anymore, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I, I think um, and, and I think there's certain catalysts that COVID has brought. I, I think that will um, and then maybe this other idea, too, would be like standing desk products, because I think there's a, mm. a couple things where it's like people aren't going to the office. People are, are doing home workouts. I think these are, COVID was a catalyst. And I think even as we do get back gradually towards what like quote unquote normal used to be, like I do think it will be a lot more normalized for people to work from home. And I also think people, it will be a lot more normalized. People have just built up the habit of like, why spend 20 minutes going to the gym when I could use Sam's totally. new home workout product? <laughs> totally, um, totally. So I mean, I'll that, say that that was like one of the biggest hurdles for me, not to not to interject, but yeah. like I had I had such a mental block on uh, working out from home, and this whole thing really like forced me to just kind of break through that false barrier. Yeah, for sure, a thousand percent. Um, so with that being said, I think what would be the most important things I'd focus on when trying to build that that like build the community and build sales around that. Um, so I think for starters going through the exercise I mentioned, starting to lean heavily into creating content with different thought leaders in those um, spaces. So I think for like the home workout product, I'd, I'd like to start like a, a show, an interview series where I'd interview different influencers in the, the, the workout space. I think there's a lot of different fitness trainers have gone on to um, create different home workout offerings to be able to build a platform where I can like showcase different influencers and in their home workouts. Um, that'd be good because then I'd, they'd be able to cross promote that with their audience. It would ladder back to my community in that same vein. I would also pay a lot of those people to uh, overtly shout out my product and drive followers back. Um, in doing that, I'd really work to make sure that like the content and, and what they're promoting and posting to their following. Um, I would make sure that like, it's actually, it's not just like, I'd be creative around what that actual like, shout out or influencer content would be so it doesn't just feel like an ad or otherwise mm -hmm. your influencer spend isn't going to get good conversion um so uh, i'd be strategic about distributing that content across different platforms i build a facebook group um where we can uh, for free where people can help each other and create levels of like accountability systems so that way they can really help each other hold themselves accountable to those goals and in doing so i think this is a prime example of where like a very tactical brand community could come into play um, and then I'd run a lot of ads remarketing. I think a lot of the, the content and, and strategies I just mentioned are great for like top of funnel brand awareness, community mm -hmm. growth. But now that you're, you're, you're getting that level of brand awareness, how are you converting those people down funnel? And I think I would largely do that through, uh, remarketing ads and ad sequences to help drive all those people further down funnel and turn them into actual buyers. Amazing. Sounds very actionable. Well, this was great, Sam. Thanks for all the insights. Uh, I wish we had more time because I know that you have a lot more to offer. Um, but, uh, you know, really looking forward to going on this journey with you and, and talking to some people who are, who are living in it, in the weeds uh, with their brands every day. Uh, so, you know, awesome stuff. Appreciate it, man. It's fun getting to, to work with the best out here, Chris. Uh, just trying to keep up, bro. Yeah, out here in Bed-Stuy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, Brooklyn, baby. Amazing, everybody. Well, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out some of our other upcoming episodes. We've got some really incredible guests that we're very excited about. So until next week, we appreciate y'all.
and we out. Take care.